the comic book pit. Okay. Welcome to the Comic Book Pit Podcast, episode 368. I'm Dan, and with me tonight, I've got Sean. Hello. Kate. Hey. And Link. Hello. Here at the Comic Book Pit, every week we read a bunch of comics and talk about various topics, usually but not always related to comics. Uh, Here's a spoiler warning. This is a review show, and we take care not to give too much away about the stuff we read, but sometimes it happens. Another thing to mention real quick is our Patreon. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash comic book pit. And I would like to welcome our new sponsor for this episode. Our newest sponsor is Pittsburgh Comics, recently named one of the best comic stores by the Pittsburgh City Paper. Open Tuesday through Sunday, Pittsburgh Comics is the premier comic shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Located in McMurray, conveniently near Route 19 and Route 79. Pittsburgh Comics carries a large collection of new and back-issue comics, trades, graphic novels, games, statues, action figures, and more. If you don't want to miss any new releases, you can always set up a pull list and update it directly through Comics Hub, which is pretty cool. I didn't know you could do that. I like this. They also have this Comic Perks program. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a rewards program. You sign up and it's free and you earn points on every purchase you make in the store. You earn a point for every dollar spent and then you oh, get to okay. 100, 100 points and you can redeem it for uh, $10 off a future purchase. Oh, cool. Yeah. Check out pittsburghcomics.com for more. Or, of course, you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, again, we want to thank them for sponsoring the show. It really means a lot. So... I guess there's there's no real easy way to, to roll into this one. <laughs> but we were talking pre-show about uh, things that were making a comeback, and Dexter got mentioned. I, f- I feel like there's feelings about this. I'm excited because Dexter was an awesome show, except for the last season. They ruined it. The last season was shit. Okay, let me uh, now. I was a I was a dedicated watcher. Okay, before I say one why I <laughs> I stopped watching, let me ask you, Kate. Was there was it the entire final season that turned you off, or was there a specific thing that turned you off? Um, I'm just curious. This, this is not a no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious because I I, I never really got to talk to anyone about this. Okay, so. <laughs> For the most part, the last season was fine. It definitely felt like a final season, but there were two very problematic plot lines that I'm sure people will bring this up if I'm incorrect in remembering this is the last season. But spoilers, he ended up in some weird, like, 
it wasn't a relationship, but his sister, not sister Deb was attracted to him. That's it. And (laughs) he also had sex with someone that he was going to kill on his kill table. And that's also fucked up. (laughs) Damn. Uh, Plus the ending I didn't care for, you know, he should have just died. But the tipping point was the Deb thing. Yeah. I think I I remember hearing that with a lot of people. I bounced uh, like a season or two before that. I bounced during the, the um, I think it was the James Almost season. Maybe. Where he was the priest and he had like the the follower or whatever. And then it all yeah, turned out. Colin. Oh, yeah. That was Colin Hanks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then it like all turned out to be in his house. Like, I don't know. I, that whole season, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm done with this season. I'm out. So I, I started to turn after, I think it was the... F- Maybe it was this was the John Lithgow season, the season after that. That was when because John Lithgow killed his wife. Yeah, well, the John Lithgow season I think was the season, but it was before that. Correct. That was like the oh, fourth before, season. Oh, okay. See, I'm I. It's been so long since I've looked. I've. I thought. Okay. Well, I I didn't like that. I I didn't like when they killed sure. his wife. Um, I guess I didn't mind the Edward James Olmos season with Colin Hanks, but yeah, it was when the reveal that his, uh, adoptive sister, Deb, who was going to therapy all of a sudden decided that she had romantic feelings for her, her, who, uh, her brother for all intents and purposes. I mean, they're, you know, they, they weren't blood and they weren't brought up together from like being a baby, but I mean, they practically they were, were raised together. Yeah. yeah. They were raised together and that was just really unnecessary. I think that was just really screwed up. Yeah. I feel like they were trying weird. to do something because they were married in real life. And then that was also weird right before that. Well, they were married the entire show and then got divorced right before that. So I feel like they were trying to do some kind of weird tension in the script, but it it didn't fit either of the characters, and it obviously didn't look good filming it. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about it was a mess. Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing about it. I was like, oh, man, I'm glad I dipped out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, I, I – same thing. I, I – I ducked out when, when that happened. And I think I, I may have kept tabs on it just to kind of see where, you know, to see what was going on. But, and then I, I came back for the final episode just because I was like, oh, I'm just going to say, I, you know, I might be a little lost, but I'm just going to watch it and see how it ends. I didn't feel like catching back up. Mm-hmm. Also at the time, I think when there was really like it, you know, streaming services weren't what they are now. I think, no, you know, if, if you were lucky enough to have like a DVR or like an on-demand service, you might've been able to catch up, but, but either way, I wasn't going to put in the time to, uh, to catch up and the whole ending where what happened? Like Deb was in the hospital, like she got shot and she was in a coma and he stole her body from the hospital and put it on his boat and he like drove into a hurricane. Yeah. Drove the boat into a hurricane and it was presumed he's presumed dead at that point because they just found the wreckage. And then 
cut to like a year later and he's like a bearded lumberjack <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Oh it was, I just remember everything that happened, like reading all the news from the outside in. And I was like, man, what a, what a fucking fire. Like <laughs> it's a big trash fire over there, like over yonder. I'm like over here being like, well, feel bad for people who stuck it out. Yeah. It, it really is a shame because I mean, for so great. much, yeah, for, I'll tell you what, that first, just the first season alone is almost like perfect. Just like mm-hmm. a perfect season. Like I remember when, when I first started watching it, I was like, just every episode was just better than the last. And when it, when, you know, when the, when the season ended, I was just like, I wanted more, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't even want more. It was so good. Just let it go. Um, and then I think, and, and of course the, the follow-up seasons were still pretty good, but like, just man, just that first season was so good. And so just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what to think about them bringing him back. I mean, it, and, and th- there's not a lot out there as far as what they're going to do. Yeah. If it's a sequel or just a reboot or like what? Yeah. But they said that, I mean, I guess it was agreed that they would never revisit the character unless they felt, you know, or they had a good enough reason or a good enough story to, mm-hmm. to do it. I mean, and there's definitely a lot of, a lot of um, loose ends out there because his, the, the woman that he was going to kill that he ended up falling in love with, <laughs> um, at the end of the, at the end of that, uh, the final episode, like got on a plane with Dexter's son and they went to like Argentina or something. So they're still out there. Mm -hmm. So at this point, his son is, you know, if, if they're going by, if they're keeping with real time, I mean, his son is probably an adult now, or at least like, you know, late teens, early twenties, maybe I, I forget the, the woman. I, I know the actress is, it was, uh, Yvonne Strahovski, Strahovski, I think she was the, the, the actress that was in Chuck and, um, and, and she's in the handmaid's tale. Oh yeah. Serena joy. Yeah. 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 That's her. Um, that was, yeah, she was the, like the female version of him, right? Wasn't she a serial killer too? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that, I think I watched that part or was that different? You might have watched the part with Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles' character only killed one person. That's right. Yep. Oh, see, I don't even remember Julia Stiles being in it. Yep. I be- okay, so I definitely skipped that. What was that? Was she in a, like an entire season or just like? No, uh, I thought that was early on, right? Like she wanted to be like his protege. That was not early on in the show. Well, I mean, early on for me compared compared to like when I bounced because wasn't there like two or three seasons after I, I don't even know how long Dexter ran anymore. I just feel it's a bit like <laughs> went for a while after I stopped. Yeah. It's all kind of a blur. Uh, I mean, Julia Stiles didn't want to be his protege. She, she was interested in learning how to kill because she wanted to kill one particular person. Oh, okay. Oh, hmm. now that sounds familiar. Like didn't, did she have some sort of trauma? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, okay that's that does sound familiar then. Um, and 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 honestly, I I feel like the uh, the show. I mean, of course, I still watch the show, but but also the show kind of 
for me hit like the first down note when um when he captured and eventually killed uh detective noakes was that his name dokes dokes that's who it was like i wanted more dokes Mm -hmm. i i mean he was i don't know he was just a different character like he he was kind of he was an asshole like he was kind of a dick to everybody but he was still like very engaging yeah you know i i wanted i wanted more of him um so that was like the first uh the first chink in the armor for me but uh mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it should be it should be interesting they said that um they weren't even going to start oh yeah working yeah. on this until like early next year and possibly have it ready for like a fall 2021 release so essentially yeah. like a year from now mm-hmm. the other thing that sucks is like it's on showtime which i don't yeah. subscribe to showtime no i don't think anybody does and i don't really want <laughs> to subscribe to showtime so i guess i'll have to wait even longer for it to come to netflix or something because i think the the original series is on netflix right now I, I think you're right yeah i think they have some kind of a deal worked out with their showtime stuff that they're like yeah you will just you know put it on st- other streaming services and if you happen to own showtime you can watch it there too but mm. they like i said they know that nobody subscribes to showtime so yeah i kind of now i now that we're talking about it, i'm kind of like oh i kind of want to rewatch it now <laughs> uh, actually i never got a chance to see it <laughs> Well, you should. I mean, well, you, yeah. Well, that's not true. I, Steph was into it. Actually, Steph and Rose, my mother-in-law, were into it. Like I remember them watching the the last episode, <laughs> but I I didn't because I was just like, well, I'm just gonna get lost. But I did remember like a few episodes I would watch with Steph, and, eh, and the stuff I saw was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Some stuff was like what? All, <laughs> uh, I think I do remember. Uh, you said Detective Dokes. Yeah. Was he the black guy that was like always on Dexter's case? Yeah. Yeah, I did like him. You're right. I mm-hmm. did like him a lot. And he, I think he said like the the funniest line ever. I think he like turned a corner and he's like, surprise, motherfucker. Yeah. Because that, that turned into mean. like a whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, love it. Mean, I forgot about that. Every so often I'll find that old YouTube video where like, it's like the young black kid who has all these different yeah. versions of it. He's like, all rise motherfucker. And he's like dressed like a judge mm-hmm. and like some supply. Fries. Yes. <laughs> some fries motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. I remember losing my shit when he did that around the corner. Cause I thought that was funny as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I guess it was interesting. I guess I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I just didn't get into it as much. Although I guess I'm glad I didn't see the last. Yeah, you, it's like, uh, I never watched lost. I watched like the first season of lost and maybe some of the second and then that was it. And then it like ended and everybody was upset. So I was like, okay, that, that, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a pretty good show for a while. But I think what happened was, they they just kept writing themselves like they would write themselves into a corner mm-hmm. and then within that they would write themselves into another corner and then it's just like they kept coming up with like all this story 
but no resolution. Mm -hmm. And there was so much going on by the end. I was just like, I couldn't even get mad at the finale. Cause I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on anyway. <laughs> so I at, like at this point, I just wanted to end my suffering. <laughs> not, you know, just, just end, you know, like it, it, I felt bad because like for a long time, like I really loved the show, but it just got to the point where I'm like, I don't know who's doing what now who's traveling and back in time and who's yeah. dead and who's coming back to life. And, but that's another one. The first, the first season was really good. I mean, that first episode was really good. That like oh, yeah. two hour, it was like a, it was actually, I think that didn't JJ Abrams direct that like the pilot. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was really before anyone knew who JJ Abrams was. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't who we know him now, you know, as now. Um, well, you know, I was going to go, I was going to circle back to Dexter real quick for Sean. I was going to say you, just to re just to emphasize how good the first season was. You should just watch the first season. Okay. Cause it, it's, it, it's like practically, it's basically self-contained. Like it ends, and I don't know if they knew they were gonna have, you know, maybe they didn't know they were gonna get a second season. Yeah, they probably didn't because it, like, the way it ends, it is is very self-contained. Oh, there's, I think I kind of like those types. Yeah, it's it, it. There's no cliffhanger. Everything just, it's the perfect, like, from beginning to end, from the first season, from the first episode to the last, it's just like this great self-contained story. All right, and I think what. Well, it's only like 13 episodes or something like that. Yeah. If not, maybe less. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not like a huge, uh, time suck. All right. And yeah. I guess it's on Netflix. So yeah, you could, you know, you could just watch an episode a day and then, you know, you'd be done with it. And, yeah. but yeah, just watch the first season. <laughs> Don't watch anything else. <laughs> Well, when you guys were talking about like him and his sister, I was like, oh, yeah. It always makes me cringe when they. I I'm about to say like when they do that because it reminded me of the Flash, and I'm like, no, like oh, I like Barry and yeah. Iris. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm sorry. Like yeah, I get it. They're not like blood relatives, but they like grew up. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did. Like. I don't know. I felt the yeah, same way point where it's weird. Yeah. 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 I, I felt the same way that it, it's, it's not really the same, but at this, but it, I, I feel like it is because the characters are so have been so close for so long, but there is this cover of God. See, it's, it's been so long since I've seen this cover and it was, a, it was an issue of X-Men. I don't know. And I don't know what iteration of X-Men, if it was uncanny, if it was regular, if it was, Diet X Men. I don't know. It was like there's so many X Men. <laughs> yeah, um, X Men free. I don't know. Um, but there's this cover of X Men where um, Storm and Cyclops are kissing. It's like oh, this yeah. passionate oh, yeah. embrace, and they're like, I looked at it. And I'm like, ugh, what? Yeah, you guys are like. You know, it's not like you guys are like bro like brother and sister, like you grew up together, but at the same time, it, it'd be like, you know, kissing like someone you work with. Well you know then they did the Wolverine and Storm thing too. 
Yeah. Shortly after that, yeah, they did some weird shit with Storm. I don't know why she couldn't just stay with Black Panther, but you know, all right. Okay. A lot of a lot of incestuous things going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of choices are being made. <laughs> did you guys ever read the third volume of Ultimates? God, I don't no, but know. I've heard but horror stories. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there I was. Didn't read it. it was heavily implied that Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were getting it on. Yeah, I remember this. Was that Miller? No, that was Jeff that Loeb. Was, yeah, Actually, okay. Yeah, it was Jeff Loeb. Yeah, well, that's Jeff the thing. Loeb. Gosh. Yeah, that. <laughs> you want to talk about hot garbage? That that was. I mean, after two great volumes of Ultimates. Then they turn it over to Mark Miller, I mean, uh, to Jeff Loeb, and he takes a steaming dump all over it. It's the problem with Ultimates. I think, yeah, Loeb was like, I'm going to be edgy. And I was like, no, man, that's that's not what you're – no. That's not how you do edgy. That's too edgy. (laughs) That's how you do disturbing. Yeah, dial it back. You know, he's one of those writers, like, I I don't know how, you know, someone can write something as great as, like, Batman The Long Halloween. Yeah. And then turn around and write complete garbage like that. You remember that um, series of uh, like Marvel? Oh, the colors. The colors. Yeah. The color books. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know. Like, can I call them the color books? That sounds kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but it was no, like they were like you know Spider-Man Blue. Yeah, Daredevil. Gray. Yeah, Daredevil Yellow. They were supposed to do Captain America White, and I don't. I think that they did like a zero issue. Did they ever finish it? I think they yeah, finished it. they finished it. It was, okay. it was actually pretty good. I never read that. I I read all the other ones, and they were all great. I never read White because I think that was like heavily delayed, and then I either yeah, forgot it about it, and then and then when it did maybe come out, I was just like, I don't care. Yeah, and he did some good work for a while, and then, like I said, ever since he wrote like Ultimates three, it just kind of turned me off of his. Yeah, I he feel should, like he shouldn't have been allowed to like work in its in its own like separate universe. He, sh- he should just not have been given that kind of free reign. Yeah, to, to do whatever he wanted. Because he Red Hulk was great. The stuff I read with Red Hulk, I was like, wow. Oh crap! I forgot he did Jeff Loeb. Okay, now see, I didn't start reading Red Hulk until Jeff Parker took over. Okay, and that was really good. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I read the stuff leading up to it, and it was, it was good. Like, I, I, it was interesting. The the mystery of who Red Hulk was was extremely well kept. That's that's funny because I that you mentioned that I totally forgot about that. But I think um, when that was coming out, I think Scott was getting it because he mm-hmm. would talk about it on the show every so often, and it did sound interesting. And I always remember there was like there were always great artists on there, like Art Adams yeah. and like Frank Cho. So it sounded like they were really like what, like Ed McGinnis. Yep. Yep. So it, it sounded like they were really kind of giving it the, the Royal treatment, but I think it's just one of the things like, yeah, I, I can't go back to reading anything by Jeff Lowe. He's, he's, yeah. he kind of burned me. So, yeah, I think I got to read it because of like, I had Marvel digital, whatever. So mm-hmm. I was like, sure. Why not? Let's read, you know, 20, 30 issues of, uh, of this. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. I, I remember reading interviews and stuff after the big reveal about, you know, how organized he was on keeping the secret. And I think even Jeff Parker didn't know 
who the Red Hulk was as he was writing him. I think only like one person knew. I forget who else it was, but like mm. it was some like top level spy stuff compared to like the day of, you know, tune in next month when we're going to kill Captain America and bring Wolverine back to life. Kind of like news announcement. Right. Like they really did a good mystery for once over there. <laughs> and the, and also the mystery of where, Thunderbolt Ross's mustache goes whenever yes, he turns into the Hulk. Exactly. <laughs> well, this might be a good a good time to take a break and talk about the other sponsor of this episode, which is Thriftburg. And then when we come back, we'll talk some comics. This week's episode of Comic Book Pit is brought to you by Thriftburg. Do you need a gift that's more interesting than a gift card? Are you looking to reclaim a piece of your childhood? Thriftburg is your online stop for all things vintage and nostalgic. From the 1950s to the 1990s, they have everything from retro kitchen, dining, and barware to action figures, games, books, pop culture, collectibles, and more. Comic Book Pit listeners also get 10% off their purchase of $20 or more with coupon code COMICBOOKPIT. That's all one word, Comic Book Pit. So visit thriftburg.com and check out their hundreds of unique vintage items. Welcome back. Thanks again to Thriftburg for sponsoring this episode. So I guess we could talk about some comics. And I was going to go first, if you guys don't mind. Nope. Go for it. Yeah. I never thought to ask this before because I don't, I don't know if it ever came up. But does anyone else besides me read any of the uh, deceased books? I, th- I think you're it, but I'm okay. enjoying hearing them. I like I'm reading them <laughs> vicariously through you right now, and they all sound awesome. So please, yeah. Go on. <laughs> so so there's two deceased stories coming out right now simultaneously. One is a digital only called uh, Deceased Hope at World's End, and the other one is a traditional book called Deceased Dead Planet, which is a seven issue series. It's the follow up to it's deceased dead planet is the proper follow-up to the original deceased story. The digital deceased is more like a short stories that happened almost like in between the panels of the original series. And the digital one, that's the the hope at world's end one. Yeah. Yeah. You, I remember you mentioning that last time we, we did a show together, I think. And then, so I didn't realize it was like an anthology of like more than one. Yeah, the, there's there's no there's no indication when it's going to come to an end. I, I I mean I'm sure they're they have a you know the, an, an an ending point, but like I said, like these these stories, you know there there have been like already five or six like short stories. Oh, wow. Some of them are just like single issues. Some of them go like two or three issues. They're all good. Deceased Dead Planet is is what I was going to talk about tonight. This this follow up has been amazing. It's it, it takes place, I believe, five years after the events of the first series. At the end of the first series, you know, the survivors and the surviving heroes escaped in a bunch of arcs, a bunch of ships, and they've made a new life, a new civilization on another planet. A small group of heroes came back to Earth because they were receiving a signal from Cyborg, or 
specifically Cyborg's head, I believe, that was okay. left on Earth. They get there to find out that that there is a cure in Cyborg's head for the anti-life virus. But the only way to get it out is they need some high-level computing. It doesn't exist on Earth. They don't have it with, you know, they don't have the technology with them to decode the anti-life cure that's in Cyborg's head. So they decide, well, shit, we need to steal Metron's chair, which means they get, so they, they hop in a boom tube and go to new Genesis. It's really neat because now, now we get to see like the fourth world and the new gods Mm -hmm. and how this, you know, even though all this stuff is happening on earth, is is a, is a ripple effect that's happening sure. on you know New Genesis. Mister Miracle comes back. Mister Miracle sent his son away to live on New Genesis because in the in the uh, deceased series, Barda was killed or she was turned. Oh, okay. And and that kind of sent you know Mister Miracle into a spiral. He w- when they found him in the early issues of Dead Planet. He's kind of like living like a hermit, big bushy beard. You know, he's still like wearing his costume, but it's all like tattered and, you know, just dirty. Um, but they're like, look, you know, you got to, you know, you got to pull it together. We need your help. And so he, you know, he gets them back to New Genesis and they kind of um, come up with this way. They're like, look, we know you can't specifically help us, but we need just need to know where Metron is so we can essentially they're kind of planning like a Metron chair heist. <laughs> so okay. they, um, so they kind of ambush Metron and you know, there, there's a, a brief struggle and, but it's actually Mary Marvel who is the voice of reason. She's like, look, if this virus escapes, you know, into the universe, that's the end of all knowledge. And he's like, Oh, you should have led with that. You know, I, (laughs) I, I understand that. He's like, here, take my chair. And, um, so they, you know, they put cyborg in it. He gets what he needs. And then Metron sits down and he then sees what's coming up. And he's like, Nope, I'm out of here. And he, (laughs) and he hightails it. He basically does like a yoinks and, you know, And he, uh, so they're like, oh, that's that's not good if Metron is scared. And then the final page reveal is, I can't, I'm not even going to say it, but. On a scale to one to Jeff Loeb, I messed up. <laughs> pretty messed up. <laughs> it's like cosmic zombie. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's okay. like a huge threat, like bigger than the threat they, and, 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 the, and they don't even know it's happening. They don't know it's coming. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty uh, pretty intense. This series has been great. The entire deceased property yeah, has been I, great. I really like hearing about it. I have a feeling I'm just gonna like buy a bunch of trades at some point of like the the final once it's like yeah done. Just get it all in like a nice hard copy or something. Yeah, that's that's what I, I mean. Even though like I've been buying these. You know, everything I, I buy is digital. But when this comes out, like, I'm hoping that there's like a nice omnibus or something with all this stuff collected because everything that Tom Taylor, like, this has all been Tom Taylor from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he, this world that he's creating is just, 
it's so much fun and it's 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 like it's the dc we kind of wish we had minus all the death of course sure but but the characters are just great And, and what they're doing with like the next generation of characters is also great because like now at this point um superman's dead wonder woman's dead batman's dead so the next generation have taken over like damien is now he's batman jonathan is superman right and it and at one point when they're on um new genesis uh orion being orion is acting like a prick and he's getting (laughs) in people's faces and i forget who it was who was like the the narrator but they said someone said that as impossible as it might sound jonathan would be even stronger than his father and at one point uh, Orion gets in someone's face and Jonathan doesn't like it. And he like lays out Orion. Nice. And like Orion doesn't get up. He's like down for the count. And it was like, Oh damn. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, just w- what they're doing what Tom Taylor's doing with all the characters has been just so much fun to read. And, um, and, and the art has been on point too. like Trevor Harrison has been really great from the beginning. He, he did the whole first series he's also doing dead planet and it's been really good. So I can't recommend the, the deceased books <laughs> enough. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is when I first heard about this and I think a lot oh, of people we, were the we same way about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're probably like, Oh man, this is going to suck. They're just like we, ripping off Marvel zombies. Yeah. No, this, this leaves Marvel zombies in the dust. Awesome. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is where it's at right here. Yeah. I, yeah. So R- Marvel zombies had like maybe two, three good stories tops. And that was, then it was just bad. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the original Marvel zombies series was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But after that, when they kept rolling out, they, they kept it going for a long time. Yeah. And, and I think part of that was, you know, it, it just kept going into the hands of different creators. Whereas yeah. deceased has been, the same creative team for the most part, like the, the, the digital offerings um, still being written by Tom Taylor, but different artists, Mm -hmm. you know, so at least everything is still in the hands of the same same writer, which I think, you know, that means a lot. Oh yeah. Guys got to get on this. Everyone, everyone within the sound of my voice got to get on deceased. (laughs) Just do it. You won't be sorry. Right on. So who is next? Well, we could go to a book that I can't necessarily say I would recommend, and you might be sorry if you read it. <laughs> yeah, are we going to trash this? Let's go. Uh, I don't it. want to, but okay, so we're going to stick with DC. So Batwoman Rebirth. I've only read the first five issues, to be fair. I really want to like it. I love Batwoman. It's dealing with what happens after she left West Point and she was partying and being a dumb socialite and then she fell off a boat and then she got to a weird deserted island, fell in love, etc. She's like a mercenary now. Yeah. And now she's a mercenary. <laughs> yeah, I remember like, I vaguely remember reading this and this was by, yeah. Elizabeth Bennett? No. Uh, hang on, let me go to Mar- the Marguerite Bennett. Yes, Marguerite, Marguerite Bennett. yes. 
And there's two writers. James Tinian. Uh, yes, the fourth. Yep, How to the get fourth. that right. Um, and Stephanie Hans uh, is the artist. There are aspects of it I really like. I think it's cool that they are going back and forth between the time period after she left West Point and present day. Mm-hmm. Like there are constant like flashbacks and flash forwards. But the story is really weak. It yeah, that's a nice way of saying it it sucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, not a good story. It's not. It looks great. I they had a basic premise that could have worked, but it's not well executed whatsoever. Yeah, if if you were wondering why you didn't have more to read after that, it's not because I dropped it. It's just because <laughs> I literally was like, I'll get to it later. That's how not engaged I was with with that. Story. Yeah, and usually I'm really easy to please with characters that I love, and this is just not doing it for me whatsoever. That really does make me feel better, though, because I thought I was being too hard on it, and I was like, <laughs> no. It's, but, yeah, apparently. Yeah, no. No. I mean, I heard decent stuff about Marguerite Bennett's run on Batwoman, but I guess it happens later. <laughs> no, I didn't. Not early. <sighs> Or if it's it's just it was for a different kind of people. I don't know. If we were buying this, if this hadn't come out three years ago and we were buying it <laughs> you now, told me not to buy I would it have told him <laughs> to drop it, and that almost never happens. Wow. That, that, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's a shame because I feel like all the Batwoman stuff that had come out previously was really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was, even I think uh, uh, Mark Mark Andreco's Batwoman stuff was, you know, it was no Greg Rucka of Batwoman, but it was mm. it was really good. Yeah, it's like it's just missing something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that is. Mm. More, more Batwoman parts and less flashback parts. Yeah, because a lot of the flashback parts have nothing to do with Batwoman. Yeah, yeah, like well, it's just like Kane being moody, right? Like, isn't yeah. that like kind of? Uh, like, you're like, that's right. annoying. Like that, that gets yeah. tired after a while. Yeah, it, it. I feel as if it, like, this is just an arc, but it's like, it's a five issue arc of just here's Batwoman sat on the island, yeah, and <laughs> find, see, finding a lover. Foxes, yeah, that's cool, but, but yeah, no. Like, like foxes or attractive women. Both? <laughs> Both? Okay. But no, they're like I couldn't actual... remember if there were legitimate like foxes on there the There are like legitimate <laughs> animal foxes, okay. which was probably the coolest thing in the entire series for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> Cause yeah, it's like a is, was it an island of lady mercenaries? Was that like was it, it was mixed... ran by a woman who okay. had mostly woman subordinates. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Huh. Um, I, I'll you know since I know what Sean's going to talk about, we're, we're going to keep the DC. Yeah, train we're just going to keep the DC train rolling. <laughs> yeah, you can't break this chain, Sean. Wait, I was going to talk about some DC. Oh, were you? No. <laughs> like a little stinker. <laughs> no, I'm not. Sean's like, I'm here to talk about the fourth world. <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, Sean, no. are you going to talk oh, about the fourth world omnibus again? No. Although I am. No, I'm not reading any. Right <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't approach the demon yet. I 
I don't know if I can. So you'll get there. Yeah. So, Maybe. <laughs> so yeah, what I read was um, Shadow of the Batgirl um, by Sarah Kuhn and I'm gonna. I bet you that's a silent X. Nicole Go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the DC young adult books, young adult graphic novels. It was like 15 bucks for like 200 pages of story. And it's, it's basically, a, it's all told from um, Cassandra's perspective. And it's basically, you know, it's, it's her, it's her whole story. It's like her whole story arc of like, Oh, she used to be, you know, the daughter of an assassin. She's going to become Batgirl. She's coming into her own and like learning how to not be an assassin anymore, learning to read and write, uh, stuff like that. And then she bumps into Barbara Gordon and gets mentored by her. And then um, also some other lady, I think that's unique to this story. Um, who It's a Japanese lady who runs like a noodle shop who kind of like finds her when she's like homeless and stuff and like takes her in and is kind of like a, an ant like figure for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. The art's really awesome. It's like, there's a lot of blues and pinks and stuff and it's very, um, can't think of the word for it. Um, like it's, it feels like it's like some of it's like watercolor, not watercolored, but like the coloring on it is very, uh, it reminds me of stuff that I've seen from the nineties. Like yeah 90s graphic novels yeah it's got like, like this, this 90s vibe to it and like yeah it's just like the the you can see like, almost like there's like brush strokes for like when the with for the coloring like it's like dabbed almost with like a you paintbrush. mean kind of like what liquid used to do back in the 90s maybe okay i have i i see i don't i don't recall liquid off the top of my head he did like a lot of joe madura stuff um I think like towards the end of his X-Men run and then he jumped ship with him when they went to do the cliffhanger imprint on battle chasers. And he had kind of like these, uh, I don't know how to describe it either. Like you can tell each individual color, what they were like. They didn't really, he didn't do a lot of blending. It was very anime ish. Yeah, no, I don't think it's exactly that, but like, it's there, there's something like it's like dabbed like there's like some parts that are darker than like there's like a blue fill and some of it's darker than others and like there's like a the way they print it there's almost like a grain to it hmm. where there's like white space a little bit in between the the coloring I don't know it's hard to describe because at first like when I was looking at this it kind of felt like I was like wait is this like did like the ink fade? Did something happen to it? But no, it's it was just like an intentional coloring style, and it it it's mm-hmm. cool. It almost makes it feel like it's like like a little bit like an older book than it actually is. Yeah, like you can tell. I mean, really anywhere where it's like a blue wallpaper background, there's like parts where oh, it's just like yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it looks like, like it's a texture. Yeah, film grain. Or like yes, a, it's, like, yeah, it's kind of like a film film grain and like paint dabby combination no, thing going on. I you know what I I know it's, yeah it does feel like it's um as a kid I used to get like quote unquote paints where it was like that those plastic tabs that you would open up <laughs> yeah. and you would just add a little bit of water yeah. to and just yeah. like, pull the brush around in and then put yeah. it on paper. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I really, I mean, the whole book's kind of like that, and I really dug the style. Um, yeah. I, it was, like, different from what I'm used to seeing. Yeah, that is curious. I'd, I'd be I'd be curious to see um, what their uh, what their method was for coloring. Mm-hmm. Was it the um, was the artist also the colorist, or was it someone? Yeah, uh, the Chris Peter is the colorist. Uh, C R I S. So I don't. Yeah, I think there was a separate colorist on this. As for the story itself, yeah, it's it's really it's just like a coming of age story and like the a condensed version of the uh cassandra kane origin story like a more i guess even more like a, a t- young adult friendly version of her origin story because i think in the dc books it was a little bit more graphic i guess than uh like because i think it was aimed more towards adults at the time mm-hmm. when dc was doing it. it's like grimdark era still not that they ever really stopped doing the grimdark era but <laughs> You know, well, you know, it, it's it. I'm kind of glad that they gave her this this book to you know to explore the character because I feel like she, for a long time, she was a very popular character, and then she just kind of got left behind. Yeah, like she wasn't. I don't think she was at all represented in the New Fifty Two. No, um... or if she was, she wasn't the same, quite the same character. Yeah, they brought yeah. her in at the tail end. That may have been still rebirth time. I don't know, but yeah, it's, yeah, she was not the same. They gave her a whole new origin and mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. didn't they start calling her like orphan or she something? She was orphan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's current. That's like rebirth, right? Where her that was, that was either rebirth or like right before rebirth. It was during one of those like fifty-two weekly issue Batman series that they were doing. Okay, because I I definitely remember when when the detective comics rebirth happened yes. and there was yeah. kind of like, like the bat squad that was being trained by Batwoman. I'm pretty sure she was on that squad as, or I think you're right as yep. the orphan or just orphan, yeah. whatever you want to call her. Yeah. So like right before that, they did a thing where like uh, some, some long convoluted story by Scott Snyder, I think, and James Tinney in the fourth actually, mm-hmm. um, where they kind of explain like why she's the orphan and like she wasn't raised by Kane or anybody, but like some other lady, but it was still kind of the same arc of like, she's an assassin, but she, something happened and she was like, well, wait, maybe I, there's alternatives to murdering people when I can be a hero and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they, they kind of just like randomly introduced her because I guess the, the statute of limitations of, you know, not writing Cassandra Kane mm-hmm. ran up. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, we're allowed to write Cassandra Kane now here. Let's throw Similar her in there. Stephanie Brown? And Stephanie oh, Brown, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were just like, oh, we're allowed to write the other Batgirls now. Somebody at the editorial said it would not be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I really miss the, uh, the, the uh, Stephanie Brown Batgirl book. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was so good. Yeah. And it was so different. And I, and I loved her, her, uh, her, her uniform. Oh yeah, she had a fantastic uniform. Yeah. Um, this kind of this book kind of gave me a little bit of the same vibes I think of the Stephanie Brown book. I mean, Cassandra is a little bit more um, not Stephanie Brown, but it was it still kind of had that cool vibe with it with like um, Barbara Gordon being like a mentor to her and stuff. So is this like Oracle Barbara Gordon, or is she not really defined? 
she's she's not defined as Oracle, but like by the end of the book, basically, it's she might as well be Oracle. Okay. Like she's like in this middle period where like she she um works at the library and teaches like kids how to like write stories and mm-hmm. other library stuff. So it's like that. Yeah, that librarian era basically. Was, so they kind of like bring in like aspects of her past. Was was but she is in a wheelchair. Was Jeff Loeb there learning how to write stories too? Or? <laughs> There's this one little kid with a Superman shirt on who says writing good stories is stupid, <laughs> and I think it's a stand-in for Jeff Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, Got to get all that Jeff Loeb hate out of my system. <laughs> I'm all fired up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I highly recommend this. And I feel so if I can just, I haven't read all of them, but I feel so if I can just safely recommend almost all the graphic novels for young adults from DC. Cause we, they haven't disappointed us yet. We've read like three or four of them so far and they're all awesome. So yeah, I, I personally haven't read any, but I know you guys have talked about them and just from what little snippets I've seen, they all look like they're really done well. Like they're not pandering or anything like they're. Yeah. Like like well executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say if there's like any one downside to these books is maybe that they probably don't get sequels. Mm-hmm. They're probably just like we're gonna write a story and that's gonna be your your story with this character and then we'll move on to some other character and do a story. But I'd say that's probably the only downside. But still, there I I assume they'd be great to just you know pick up for young readers or or old old fogies like us. <laughs> I'll have to try them, or at least uh, give them a whirl, because I know Millie likes Batgirl. So yeah, I think this would be up, up both your alleys, Sean. Yeah, I've been kind of amazed at some of these. Um, uh, crap! Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. <laughs> what uh, graphic novels for young adults? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I there's have no fancy like banner term for them. They're just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it was I bought um, like three trades of um, Cleopatra in space, and I really enjoyed that series. Mm-hmm. I need to finish it too. So I forget there was like another book uh, that kind of got me interested. I think because it was it had Scott Morse on it. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm probably gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the all the graphic novels for kids are like amazingly well done. And it's nice because the art's always different from like what you get from like regular comic books. Mm-hmm. Like it's not too often you see somebody like break from the traditional style when you're picking up like a three ninety nine single issue at a comic shop, at least from you know Marvel or DC, but mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and cardboard kingdom's pretty good. We've read. That oh like yeah. I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like Millie's favorite book or it still is. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, well, I guess since you guys are all silent, I guess it's my turn to talk about my book. <laughs> uh, I did not do a DC book, although I thought about talking about Aquaman, but <laughs> I did not to. Apparently, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we're all wearing the same we shirt, too. <laughs> we didn't DC you, sorry. <laughs> oh, all I got is my Planet Express shirt. Anyways, I decided to read Space Bandits by Mark Miller 
or Millar or whatever he pronounces last name. <laughs> well, I hear it and I if, see if Miller. It's, it's, you say Millar. It's Millar. <laughs> I say Miller. It's it, it is. It's 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 Miller. Yeah, like yeah. My grandmother's middle name was Miller, not mi- uh, middle name. Her main name was Miller, so it's Miller. Anyways, <laughs> that's that's besides the point. And uh, artist, uh, I'm totally going to butcher his name, Matteo Scalera. Mm-hmm. Uh, who did, uh, we all know who Mark Miller is, but uh, Matteo did um, Black Science. Yep. So, And that was kind of one of the reasons why I picked it up, because I, I actually really loved his art in Black Science, but Black Science... Was that I, the Rick Remender book? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like all Rick Remender books with me, <laughs> I usually read them like the first two, three issues, like four or five times. And then it'll be like this one special moment where I just like, Oh, I'll just read it all. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read everything. Like fear agent was the same. Low is the same. Like low. I literally had the digital copies thanks to the CBP library. And then I literally just bought it for 10 bucks. And then I end up reading the whole damn thing and then end up buying the, all the series except for the last trade that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And so, and Funny enough, I'm re uh, I'm reading Black Science again. So, uh, but anyways, I decided to read this. It looked really fun, and it's uh, Matteo uh, artwork, and I really dig it. It's about two outlaws uh, in a galaxy. Uh, I don't want to say far away, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but it's pretty darn Nearby. far. Near, well, they do mention Earth. They do mention Earth a couple <laughs> of times. And uh, the whole style static of this space, uh, I guess you can kind of say it's kind of like um, Parker a little bit because they both get effed over by um, one of them gets let uh effed over by her boyfriend and the other one gets effed over by the gang who she was like uh, the criminal mastermind. And, um, but anyway, the aesthetic of this space is like the eighties. So there's like stuff like Molly Ringwald uh, strip district. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it opens up like on a big luxury uh, space liner called the Lionel Richie and it has like <laughs> Lionel Richie's uh, hair and it literally it starts with the words the 80s didn't reach the Midwest until the 90s think about how long it took to get the, into space so and, and it's actually been pretty fun oh and they do a I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it's like a shout out like the the cover the first issue cover is like a shout out of Prince uh, Purple Rain Oh yeah, because both of the characters, uh, I think, one character is named Cody and the other one was named Thena, and it it was just a very fun thing. Like it was super fun to read. It was kind of something like I needed to read right now. Um, it was just very imaginative. The artwork is always. It was just very top notch. There was no dull points. It was just a, a good, fun read. I think the only criticism I have, um, I didn't like the end. Not always rough. 
Well, it's not so much how it ended, but I always hate I hate when it's they try to go into another series. Like so oh. this one was like complete on its own. Like you read it all the way and then oh, okay. A, like two or three pages after that and it like um it goes on this one planet and apparently they some like official type people are talking to bounty hunters and they're like oh you got to take care of these people and it's like find out what happens in this new book by mark miller called sharky the bounty hunter and i'm like you assholes i don't feel like reading that <laughs> to find out what it happens yeah like i kind of like that it's it was your post-credit scene yeah yeah and I be one of those people m- m- walk out of the theater before the credits are over. And you're good. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of wish that would have happened with this one, because it just seemed like a very good, fun, bubblegum uh, movie. Like, yeah, I heard good things about it when it was coming out. Mm-hmm. If I remember right. Yeah, it was just great. Yeah, I I remember. I think I read the first one or two issues, and yeah, I agree. It felt like a just like a a big fun action movie like a like a like a summer popcorn movie or something yeah and it was just great and the artwork's always phenomenal it just was phenomenal and the colors perfect so mm-hmm. i highly recommend this even with the ending i highly recommend it okay i just wish with this collection i wish they would have just not even included that little last bit yeah Mm. definitely well I guess the last thing I'm going to talk about just to wrap it up is a new book from Image Comics called Getting It Together and it's written by Cena Grace and Omar Spahi and art by uh, Jenny D. Fine and also Cena Grace Um, see if this sounds familiar a group of attractive 20-something-year-olds living in the big city, very open about sex. They have trendy jobs and relationship issues. Does that sound like any TV shows we might have yeah. watched? Friends? Yeah. Friends or Sex in the City, How I Met Your Mother, uh, High Fidelity. Um, it, it opens up with a post-breakup between two of the main characters – uh, Sam and Lauren and then Lauren's brother Jack is Sam's roommate and he's so he's in the middle Jack is queer and he he has a date with a uh, with a guy named Colton and they hit it off Lauren is in a band and there's we're introduced to a lot of characters in this first yeah, issue. Yeah, I'm like, I feel as if I need a character chart. No, it, I, grabbing it to me right no now. seriously. I, I, I read this first issue, and I had to keep like going back to different pages. And I'm like, wait, who is this again? Um, <laughs> fortunately, everyone looks different enough that mm-hmm. you can kind of guess who's who. This wasn't a bad book. It wasn't great, but it was good enough that I'll probably check out another issue because mm-hmm. – um, 
the storytelling was pretty good. Um, it's just one of those things like this, this is a road that has been traveled down many times before. Oh, sure. And it, yeah, yeah it's the path is not only worn, but it's been paved over and painted over. And I mean, my question was going to be, so this is a straightforward story then like there's, there's nothing wacky. Exactly. That's kind of why I avoid it because it's, it's more, it's like a romantic slash slice of life comic. It's very different. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I feel like I haven't read anything like this since box office poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the nice thing about this book or yeah, this book is that there are different people represented here. There are people of color. There are different, you know um, there's, you know, like the LGBTQ is represented. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's more inclusive than like say friends, which. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, friends has a bad rap now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you know, it, it, it's hard. It's like, I get it. Like, it, you know, looking back like 20 years later, you're like, yeah, that was kind of a shitty show. You know, yeah. there's everyone was white. There was, like, and there's supposed to be living in New York City, which is the biggest melting pot of all. Mm-hmm. And there was like no people of color. There, were, like, everyone in the show was straight, and and the the idea of of homosexuality was treated as a joke, which mm-hmm. not, at, at, in most sitcoms at the time, yeah, yep. homosexuality was the butt of a joke. You know, I'll admit, like. I watched friends and I probably bought into all that stuff. Like I was, yeah. you know, that demographic, like everybody watched friends. I mean, you just, and it was at the time it was great. Now, like I could not rewatch it. If someone put a gun to my head, <laughs> like just pull the trigger See? because if, because I feel like watching it would be equal to death. I, I, I couldn't get into it. I could not get into it whatsoever. Like, same. It was just one of those shows I saw. Like, I guess I kind of felt like Seinfeld was better. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it was funnier. So I'm just like, eh, meh. Like trendy kids or trendy young people at a coffee shop. I mean, mm-hmm. that didn't appeal to me too much. Only because living in I mean, impossible, I, impossibly sized lofts. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say that Cena Grace is a is a really talented writer slash illustrator. Um, they've they did I I know that they worked on Iceman, and um, I think re- the Read Only Memories book that I've reviewed on the show a few times. I think they're they're the writer for that book as well. So they have a pretty diverse um, like characters that they make. Yeah, I was like I said, I th- I, th- I think the storytelling was really good. I would say the only thing. The art, it's not bad, but also the person that's the artist, her name, like I said, her name is Jenny Fine. She's more of an illustrator slash graphic designer than, like, Mm. this is, I think this is her first comics work. Okay. It kind of shows in some points, but it's not, like, again, it's not, it's not bad. And she does a really good job of making the characters look very distinct from each other. Mm Mm-hmm. The only thing that it kind of annoyed me, there's this one point where uh, uh, a character is taking his shirt off and you can see he's got on the back of his neck, like a tattoo. 
And on one of his shoulders, he's got a tattoo. Cut to like a page later, he's still shirtless and who they they literally like this the the, the original tattoos or a, a couple pages back when these first see the tattoos they look like they've basically been they're like photoshopped they're like too perfect uh-huh. they were just like pinched and dragged and put on the on the drawn figure um then a couple pages later they don't even try to draw the tattoos. There, there's literally a scribble. Like, like you know how you like you doodle on a piece of paper and you like draw circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Like they didn't even mm-hmm. try to draw a tattoo. They're just like, oh shit, a tattoo is supposed to go here. Scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> I mean, I understand like the the art is the art has like a rough, sketchy quality, which I understand. I mean, it, that's throughout, and I understand that's a style not actually even trying to draw something is not, that's unacceptable, <laughs> especially since you've, you've already established that this person has a tattoo two pages before that you clearly put on with Photoshop. You can't do that again. Right. What the hell? Yeah. Anyway, that was my only, my only nitpick was I felt, you know, that was, that was some weak sauce. That was lazy. So that that offended me as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> fair. So, yeah, I definitely think that's a fair criticism. <laughs> I will. I'll after the show. I'll find it and I'll uh, I'll I'll show it to you guys because it's just it's laughable. It's the, like oh my the God. Photoshop stuff in general always throws me off and and it happens a lot in image books where it's just like they're like well I could do stuff in the background or I could just Photoshop this poster mm-hmm. or a picture of a, a real person in the background and I'm like yeah. That was so strange. That that always oh. takes me out of a story when when it's very obvious. If you know, if if they photo reference something, that's one thing. But if they're just like putting a actual image in a page of art and then like throwing twenty filters on top of it so it doesn't look like it, but it still mm-hmm. does, I think that's yeah. That yeah. that kind of makes me mad. Oh, I'm definitely guilty of that. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking I, <laughs> I used to do it like a lot more than I do now, but well, sure. I mean, and, and I, I did too. You know, I'm um, I'm pretty much done talking about this book. Beat, but the other thing that was off-putting, I'm, I mean, we were fortunate in that we got a review copy of it because issue one was four ninety nine. Jeez, and I'm wow. like. I'm like, I don't think this is worth 4.99. How much? Uh, how many pages is it? It is. Um, give me a second, I'll tell you. Is it, I wonder if it's like that. Um, that one Chip Zdarsky book that he did with the Image that was like, uh, like two or three issues, but it was like super expensive. It's 36 pages. Yeah. Um, but pages 30 through 36 are are like just back. It's like some sketches yeah. and alternate covers and. So, so you're really getting like 29 pages. Uh, well, let's see. After the cover and the indicia, you're getting you're getting 26 pages basically for uh, 99. Uh, it's interesting. I wonder how much it'll be when they trade collect it because image is usually like ten dollar trade. So if you're pay, you know spending half the price of what a trade would be for this, that's a tough sell. Yeah. 
That's that's really weird, just because yeah, Image is all about like let's sucker you in with the cheap first issue, and then when you're hooked, that's when we bump it up a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, you know, we are fortunate in that we get these review copies, so I will, I'll check out another issue, but I definitely wouldn't pay for this. Or if I, if I did pay that for that first issue and then read it, I probably would be a little disappointed, and it would be like. Yeah, I'm not going to get a second issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are definitely past an hour. Um, does anyone have any any uh, anything else or so we can wrap it up? I The only thing I want to mention is I just want to pour one out for the, the final season of Glow. Oh, yeah. That's all I got. It's just some sad news all around. Yeah, definitely. That's a bummer. So... Um, Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, thank you to our sponsors for this episode, thriftberg.com and Pittsburgh Comics. This has been episode 368 of the Comic Book Pit Podcast. I'm Dan, and with me tonight is Sean. See ya. Kate. Bye. And Link. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>